Welcome to Head Change, the podcast all about positive personal growth and intentional living at the intersection of culture and faith. The goal, to help you live life like never before. And now, your host, author, speaker, and hero award-winning humanitarian, James L. Clark. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 0005 of Head Change. Ah, it's so good to be sitting back in front of the mic. I had a really nice break where I refocused, took a bit of a holiday, as the Brits say, or a vacation, re-energized, refocused, did some other things on my task list, and now I'm back knocking out some more Head Change. I'm just really excited to be back with you. And today we're going to be talking about something that's very apropos. We're going to be talking about staying focused. As an entrepreneur, I have a lot of things on my task list, a lot of things that I want to accomplish, a lot of things on my bucket list. And so these things will invariably get involved and take you away from the direction you want to go. Emails, phone calls, these kind of things. You know, sometimes I find myself just juggling plates, you know, that pretty much describes my life in one tune because I'm always spinning plates. The important thing is to make sure that the things on your plate are the things that you actually want to be doing. They're not taking away joy in your life, taking away happiness, or distracting you from the things that are going to be moving you down the road that is most important to you. And I'm pretty much like everyone else. It happens to me no matter what I do, no matter what defenses I put up, things come in and waste my time or I get sidetracked. It's like having, you know, attention deficit disorder. Oh, look at chicken. Today's first vocabulary word is waylay. To waylay somebody means to prevent them from doing something that they want to accomplish. So the robbers waylaid the stagecoach. It comes from laying in wait. And over the course of your lifetime, there will be a lot of people that will try to waylay your goals. They will try to waylay you from accomplishing a given task that you're setting out to accomplish. The second word for this podcast is underlie to be located underneath something or to occupy a certain position below. And while it can be said that something underlies something else, that it is beneath them, it doesn't mean that it's necessarily subservient. In other words, it could indicate a strong foundation or a bedrock that underlies or supports an idea or decision. You see my point? It's really easy to get sidetracked. One minute I'm talking about attention deficit disorder and oh, look at chicken. The next I'm talking about vocabulary words. If you want to get somewhere, you got to stay focused. I'm not the perfect model any more than anyone else is the perfect model, but I have learned little techniques, tips, and things that I can share with you that can help you stay focused on whatever project it is. For example, I wrote a book in seven days. No kidding. One week from conception to completion, and it's on the market. It's published. Just like me, you could do it too if you really want to, but ultimately you have to be able to take everything else off of your plate that is interfering with whatever that particular task is that you want to accomplish. Seneca said, to be everywhere is to be nowhere. So something worth considering. You can do a lot of things, but you also have to focus in order to accomplish anything at all. And that can be hard. In today's modern society, we're easily distracted. I mean, even now, as you're listening to this, I bet text messages are occasionally popping up on your phone. Emails are coming through. Push notifications. Somebody's going to call you while you're on the treadmill running listening to this podcast. We're constantly drawn in multiple directions, so many so that some people can find it very difficult to focus. Some people have to resort to medications so they can get the things done in their life that they want to get done on a daily basis. Sometimes all you need, though, is just a plan, just something that you can follow, things that you can do on a regular basis that become routine that allow you to be able to do the things that you want to do. Unfortunately, though, our brains are finely attuned to distraction. It's so easy to get taken in directions you don't actually want to go. Author David Rock in Your Brain at Work says a distraction is an alert that says, orientate your attention here. This could be dangerous. 
It's just the brain's natural reaction, and it's virtually unstoppable. The way to combat it is to come up with something that you can do that reorientates your attention, that refocuses your attention, so that even though you get these little distractions, you're able to overcome them by refocusing through a process on a daily basis. Or in my case, almost a minute-to-minute basis. Contrary to popular belief, we don't actually multitask. That is, our brain isn't doing multiple things all at one time. It sort of seems like it, but science actually tells us that's not what's taking place. We actually move from one thing to another thing almost instantaneously. We're not like computers with multiprocessors where the threads are going simultaneously in all these different processors and it's been spread out and the workload is spread out. The reality is our brain switches almost instantaneously from one thing or one task to the next. And in doing so, it's easy for us to get sidetracked. Let me reiterate this point. Now more than ever in history, we hear that we're able to multitask. People brag about it. People tell you you should be able to do it. Self-help gurus write books on multitasking, being able to do all this stuff simultaneously. The fact is, science is very, very clear. We can't multitask. We switch from task to task. I'll give you an example. Try to write an email while talking on the phone at the exact same time. It is virtually impossible to do it because your brain can't process both bits of information simultaneously. At least certainly not at a level that you'd want to be proud of. In other words, you're going to probably be doing D work when you're capable of doing A-level work. Let's be honest. If you're capable of giving 100% to something and you know that you're better than the results that you produced, why would you ever want to lower your standards to do D or C-level work when you're capable of producing that high-level A work? The above average. Because that's what high-level achievers want to do. We want to do the very best we can. I'm not talking about perfectionism because that's a completely different issue and really can be a problem. What I'm talking about is giving it the best that we've got and producing something we can be proud of. But that's almost impossible to do, according to science, if you've got multiple tasks right in front of you and you're trying to do them all at the same time. The reality is the way the brain works, we have to switch from one task to another. Now, we can do it very rapidly. Evolution has produced something fantastic in our brain that allows us to go from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing and still produce very good results. The way to do it and get the best results, the way to do it at that A level is the question. How do you do that? How do you do that without going absolutely insane at the same time? Listen, don't take my word for it. Go read what professor of neuroscience Earl Miller at MIT says. He says the brain is very good at diluting itself. Think about psychology. We know that confirmation bias is a real problem. We will look for things to support our views and our ideas without ever reading anything, without ever looking at the research, without ever listening to the facts. We'll emotionally pull from the evidence around us that's not even necessarily real, latch onto it and say, no, no, I'm right. This is the way it should be. Because we like to delude ourselves. That's what we do as human beings. The key to success is being able to step back, look in the mirror, be objective, look at reality, and then take all the information you learn and apply it to your life. If you do that, you will be the high achiever that you're looking to be. You will always do better than other people around you because you're not deluding yourself. I can hear now the skeptics are going, no, 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 no. I can multitask. I'm very, very good at multitasking. I can multitask anytime I want to, and I can do all kinds of things at one time, and I do them very, very well at A level. And I question that. I don't believe you. I don't think you can. I think you may be good at switching tasks, like science says, but I know you don't multitask. You don't actually multitask. You don't actually do two things at the same time very, very, very well. And you say, no, 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 no. I can drive and text at the same time. And I say, don't. You're going to kill yourself or maybe other people. 
There's a reason that we're starting to legislate intelligently like that. We're trying to prevent people from going off the rails and killing other people with a 2,500 pound weapon known as a vehicle. It's a bad idea to try to do two critically important tasks at the same time, which is why texting is not critically important when you're driving your vehicle. The more important task is making sure that you're driving safely and protecting yourself and others around you. So it becomes what is known as an A priority. And therein lies a very important critical lesson. Think about it. An A priority, B priority, C priority, D priority, E priority. If you use that series of letters, right? A, B, C, D, and E. Think about grades. A being the top, B being the next one after, C being the average, right? So not as important, one, two, and three. And the D is delegate and E is eliminate. There is no F in the scale. You'll hear me talk about this over and over and over and over again because I've used it to great success in my life. So if you have an A priority that you're trying to get accomplished, make it your priority. Driving a car is an A priority. Texting in that particular priority, not an A. Not even a B, not even a C. More, it's a delegate, right? You could delegate it to the person next to you or, which is what I do, I often have my phone or have my phone in the possession of somebody else when I'm driving. And I say, could you check my messages, please? Could you respond with X? That way when I'm driving, the real priority is the real priority. And that's so important. Think about it. There's gonna be things on your list that you want to accomplish that are A priorities. There are gonna be other things on your list that are C priorities. Part of accomplishing things, part of learning how to focus is first understanding what those things are in your life so that you can then prioritize them properly and divide your attention appropriately. Spend a percentage on the A, spend a percentage on the B, spend a percentage on the C, and eventually those priorities will start to happen. They will actually come to fruition. Get it? I know, I've done a lot of things. I've got a pretty decent resume. I've worked really hard to get the things that I want to accomplish done. And I've had a lot of people ask me, including the people that I mentor, how, how have you done that? How have you got so many things done? How are you able to write a book or do this or do that? And the truth is, that's the answer. I've learned how to prioritize and switch between tasks to accomplish things I want in the given time scale that I want. It's just a conscious decision. And I deliberately try to put myself in a position where I'm not overwhelmed by all of the information's coming and hitting me, all of the people who are trying to pull me away from things that are important, and all of the tasks that I need to accomplish. It's just learning how to prioritize, to organize, and then to make conscious decisions towards a given task. Now listen, I get that we work on autopilot. The brain is capable of doing tasks, if you will, in the background. Sort of again, to come back to that analogy of multi-threading on computers, you know, the, the chips working at different times on different tasks, a little bit here, a little bit there. But it's not the same. You really gotta be able to divorce that because it's not the perfect analogy. Our brains don't quite work like that. So we can drive to a place and get there fairly safe. But if we distract ourselves with something that requires more of our brain, like texting, then our attention is often taken away. Our eyes are deflected, we're not looking at the road, and so forth and so on. So we can listen to music, we can have a conversation and still drive. We can still go on that automated autopilot and still get there. We can ride a bicycle, talk to people, and look around and multitask like that. But again, it's not multitasking. The danger is that you can literally switch off. You can zone out to the point where you're not actively engaged in a particular task. That's that autopilot I've talked about in the past, if you listen to my other podcasts, where you end up getting uh, to, a, you're, you're driving and trying to go to a specific location and you already pass it or you get to the exit and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm here already. How did I get here already? I didn't even realize I was here. That's that autopilot that can be inherently dangerous. 
actually talk quite a bit about the color code of awareness in another podcast, and it's certainly worth listening to because it's very, very relevant to your safety. And in many respects, it's parallel to what I'm talking about right now in this particular podcast. Now, it's also important that you learn your limitations. So for example, I have a very good friend of mine named Hal, who's also one of my students for martial arts. Great guy, true, true friend, and somebody who actually, you know, cares enough to, to voice their opinion, which is always good to have. Uh, I've said this many times, uh, right out of scripture, that a wise man has many counselors. And so it's always good to take advice and to accept gracious criticism. And one of the things that he asked me, because this is a gentleman who has worked very hard, you know, he went to high school, went to university, focused on jobs, has been in that job for a considerable period of time and has built stability associated with that. I mean, that's not uncommon. I mean, my father is another good example of somebody who really thinks you should take one job and you should stick with that job until you retire. That's not my personality. I'm an entrepreneur by nature. I tend to do a lot of things that I'm interested in and I do them to very good levels. I don't half-ass it. But Hal specifically asked me, well, you know, what do you think about this, man? Do you think it would be better to focus on one thing as opposed to the 465,972 that you're currently doing? And while I do agree that focus is paramount, I don't necessarily think that I'm the kind of person that needs to do one particular job for a protracted period of time. I just don't. It's just not who I am. And you may be like that. But if you're not, if you're the individual who your personality demands that you, you establish that security and that particular job for a period of time, then take it seriously. You need to go figure out your personality type because your personality type will directly play a role in terms of your success on a given task. If your personality is such that you need or require one job to develop security, to establish the lifestyle that you're looking to establish, then that fits your personality type. If on the other hand, you're on the other side of the spectrum and you do a lot of things and you do them at a decent level, what I'm saying is don't do a lot of things and do them poorly. Don't be a, a jack of all trades, master of none. Be a jack of all trades, master of some. Experience the things you want to experience, whatever those are, whether it's traveling or writing books or developing a computer app or owning a business, running a restaurant, whatever it is that, that empowers you, whatever it is that you enjoy doing, by all means, do that thing or those things. But it's very important that you understand your personality type and determine whether or not you're actually mentally, emotionally capable of focusing on multiple things at once. And again, I'm not saying multitasking, but doing multiple things at once, putting a little bit of focus here and a little bit of focus there, maybe 100% one day, maybe 20% the next on that particular task on your task list. And that task list may include running multiple businesses or taking multiple classes or whatever. I mean, really, I don't know you, so that's something you have to determine. But it is relevant to try to understand what's best for you. And even if you are the kind of person like me that does a lot of things at once, that doesn't mean that you should overwhelm yourself and put too many things on your plate. So find your limit, learn your limits, and then work within the limits because you'll be much more successful. So if you're good at doing, oh, I don't know, let's say seven tasks at a given time over the course of five months, six months, a year, do those seven tasks. If you find that you cannot add another task, another eighth or ninth task of a given type, then by all means, dial it back. And if you want to be more efficient, perhaps quicker at it, maybe reach success on a higher level faster or just reach that higher level of success and do that A level work, then by all means, instead of doing seven tasks, even if you're capable, dial it back to say four tasks. And that's something you learn through trial and error. You're going to have to figure that out. Do some psychological testing and do some actual practical testing. Actually go out there and do things and see what you're capable of doing. That's the way to find out. And if you're out there doing multiple things, if you're switching between them and you find that you're getting nowhere, let's say for example, you're in university and you take four classes and you find yourself doing A level work. So you think, you know what, next semester, 
I'm going to throw another class in the mix, another four unit class or five unit class. You do uh, chemistry with a lab, right? That's a five unit, generally speaking. That's that's a considerable amount to throw on top of your current workload. So again, if you're in university in one semester, you do four classes, you do A-level work and you go, mm, I think I'm going to try a little bit more. So you throw on another four or five unit class and then you find that you get B's in three of your classes and all of those classes were similar in terms of scope. Well, you might not want to throw that extra class on the semester following, right? Because you want to maintain whatever grade level it is that you want to maintain like an A-level work. On the other hand, if you do three classes and you find you do A-level work and you throw in a fourth and you can't do that A-level work, dial it back again. If you can take, I don't know, let's say the journal hurry and you can take seven classes in a given semester and you do C-level, B-level, and that fits in terms of your time paradigm for being able to graduate, I don't particularly see a problem with that if you don't need the A-level coursework or the A-level grades to be able to, say, do a master's or a PhD after that. So the, all these things have to be examined, right? Now, I know because I've done an enormous amount. I did more than 36 units of hardcore science in one semester. That's right, one semester. And I was able to pull predominantly A's and B's. That's a good sign. But I also about killed myself. Now, I couldn't have done anything else during that period of time. I was actually trying to get some pre-med coursework done. And I had a deadline for an application that had to be done for the upcoming school year. So it was paramount that I got all of those done and met the grade level requirement that I had, which was a, I had to have a minimum of a B. And I did all of these science classes with labs. Now, one of my professors said, geez, just human physiology with a lab a lot of people only take just that as a science class, along with some other fluff classes, you know, like Introduction to Psychology or English 1A or something. I did predominantly hardcore science classes in that single semester to sort of check off the boxes. But I was also a lot older when I did this. I wasn't in my, you know, teens or my 20s. I was actually in my late 30s when I went back to do some of these classes. And I'm not a, re a real science person. I am definitely better at science now, but I wasn't back then. I had to learn how to do it. So over the course of time, I learned how to juggle. I learned how to spin those plates. But think about that analogy of spinning plates, right? That dun, 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 dun. So you got this guy, he's got a stick and he's got a plate and he spins it, right? And then he runs to the next one and he spins it. And he runs to the next one and he spins it. And then he keeps doing that and he does it too. He's got all of these plates spinning in the air. That is exactly what we do. We are moving from one task to another task, to the next task, to the next task. And we're trying to keep them all going at the same time. That's more akin to how the brain actually works. And that's how multiple tasks are accomplished. That's how you're able to do more than one thing over the course of your lifetime. And it's a skill that you have to learn how to develop through practice. You actually have to do it. Just like you don't just start running a marathon. I mean, there are some people that are biologically or genetically predispositioned to have better fitness levels than other people. They can just start running. I know there's a guy named Oz Perlman. I haven't talked to him in a lot of years, but he's a, a magician and he's a very, very talented guy really good at magic. And then one day he decided he was going to start running and he started running marathons without hardly any experience whatsoever. And then started doing these crazy, like 50 milers or something like that. I mean, just astounding how he went from not running at all to running these really, really long races. And he actually placed quite high. That's pretty impressive. So he clearly has some kind of genetic or biological or physiological capacity that I don't have. I mean, I could go out and run if I had to, to you know, try to protect my life, but I'm probably going to die and you'll have to come out with a gurney and, uh, and shock me back to life and you know, take me off in an ambulance. Likewise, I think my brain has the capacity to move from task to task fairly well. It's something that I've been able to develop and hone, and not everyone is going to have that capacity right off the bat. But I do think it's something that can be developed, just like I can go from not running at all to eventually, through time and practice and a lot of work, more work than I really want to put in, I could probably go from running 
absolutely nothing in a week to a, a you know, serious marathon. It'd probably take me from couch to marathon, oh, I don't know, four or five years if I took it seriously. <laughs> but it is something that I could do uh, because I have the capacity right now to work towards it. I don't have any physical disabilities or any health issues that would prevent me from developing that, that skill or developing the physical ability to do that. So if I wanted to, I could. I just have to be committed to it, just like you would have to be committed to learning how to move from task to task to task if that's actually something that you want to do. But you have to put the time in. You have to make the effort. If I want to learn how to run a marathon or if I want to condition my body to run a marathon, I'm going to have to be disciplined about my diet. I'm going to have to be disciplined about the amount of time that I put into it. In other words, I can't go from couch to marathon overnight. It's not going to happen. I don't have the ability to do that. Instead, I have to organize things, develop a plan, and then follow through with it on a regular basis basis until I reach the goal that I want to reach. I suppose distilled down, that's the key to success in general. Knowing what you want to accomplish, developing a plan to go after it, and then executing that plan continuously until you get where you want to go. It's just like getting in a car. If I want to drive from California to New York, I have to have a car. Or I could walk, or I could ride a bike, I could fly. It just depends on your transportation choice, right? But if I want to drive from California to New York, I have to know where I'm at, I have to know where I want to get, and I have to develop a plan to get there. Pretty simple, actually. People overcomplicate this kind of stuff, and it's not. You have to actually just stop and think about it. And all of that requires focus. So if I want to drive from California to New York, then I have to focus on that particular task. I have to go through the steps, make sure I understand what I need to accomplish, check them off the box. Now, I can also drive from California to New York and stop in Texas, which means I have to divert and go off south as opposed to, say, driving north in the country. That, in many respects, mirrors the concept of doing multiple things. You divide your attention just a little bit to go off to Texas. And then once you're in Texas, you now refocus back on New York. So you didn't stop going to New York. And that's perfectly acceptable. Well, moving from task to task to task is just like that, except it's can, it can be instantaneous or it can be over the period of a week or a month or 20 years. It just depends on your particular goals, right? Nobody gets to set those for you. Only you get to set those and decide what's most important to you and develop those plans with you and your family, your loved ones, or whoever it is that's going to be involved. Does that make sense? Not everybody thinks like that, of course. Some people would say, well, you said you want to learn how to play the guitar and it's been 20 years and you still can't play the guitar. Well, maybe you just figured out that that wasn't actually a priority at the A level that you thought it was going to be. It might actually be at the C level. In fact, you might have completely eliminated it from your life entirely and decided you wanted to do drums and you're going to delegate the guitar to somebody who is more attuned to playing the guitar or has a propensity for that. Part of the fun of having a task list and doing all kinds of different things, or at least trying them, is that it gives you an opportunity to figure out whether or not you like it or not. I mean, when I was in my 20s, I thought I wanted to learn how to play the guitar. I went and bought one. I tried it out. Realized I didn't like the way it felt on my fingers. And so I decided to play something else. I'm much better at the piano and I'm much better at bagpipes. Neither one of which hurt my fingers at all. Albeit, the bagpipes hurt your ears and that's a whole different story. All right, well, we're at the halfway mark now. So let's go ahead and get into the tips. Well, at least right after this break. You're listening to Head Change with James L. Clark. We'll be right back after this short break. You don't want to miss it. Want to be inspired? Look out for James's new book, Boots on the Ground in Haiti. It's an emotionally moving first-person account of people just like you leaving their lives and families behind to help the victims of the 2010 earthquake in Haiti that leveled parts of the small island nation and killed more than 300,000 people in the blink of an eye. Gandhi said if you want to find yourself, lose yourself in the service of others. 
You'll lose yourself in the pages of this book and the real-life stories it shares. All right, welcome back. Now, the question is, how do we focus on a given task and get it accomplished? How do we divide our time and not try to multitask? Well, actually, there's a couple of things I want to tell you that you're not going to like, especially if you're using the internet a lot or you're on your phone a lot. In today's modern times, the inconveniences of conveniences is actually quite high. What I'm saying is this, that you think being on the internet is a convenience, but what happens is you become addicted to the media. You become addicted to the likes on Facebook. You become addicted to the tweets. You start to make those things a priority and they end up gobbling up your time and taking you away from the things that you want to accomplish. So one of the first things that you need to do is to figure out what is causing a distraction in your life. What is distracting you from the things that matter? And my guess is the internet and your phone are playing a dramatic role and you may not even realize it. Now listen, I don't know about you, but I find if I get distracted from a particular task I'm working, in particular, let's say when I'm writing, if something draws me away from that, I can find it difficult to get back into the writing, to get back into focus. And, and that varies from person to person. But the internet plays a real big role in that because it's an easy way to lose time. It's an easy way to get sidetracked. It's a major time waster for a lot of people, myself included. I have to be very careful. Social media in particular just wipes out my day if I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing. I mean, you can get caught up watching videos, paying attention to someone else's post, looking at memes. All these things can drag you away from the task at hand and take away the time that you have. Remember, you only have so many seconds in a day. You only have so many minutes. You only have so many days in a week. You really need to stop and think about how you invest it. I'm telling you, even a quick break, just a quick look at Facebook will drag you away from the task at hand and interrupt that flow. That quick surfing moment that you thought you were just going to look at something will turn into an hour. My recommendation is do not trust your willpower. All right. Stay away from the shiny browser icon. One of the ways you can do that is by literally turning your internet off, turning off the Wi-Fi, disconnecting the Cat5 cable, or going somewhere where you don't have access to the internet. So for example, as a writer, unless I'm researching, unless I'm on the internet looking for particular things that I want to use to underpin or to add veracity to a particular topic, or I'm gonna read a study, I literally better turn the internet off because it's very easy for a little pop-up to come up on my screen and I look over there and I go, oh, I'll just take a second to look at that. And then literally an hour, two hours have passed and I'm off on these other things that just didn't benefit my day at all. So really, one of the first things that I would tell you to do is learn how to isolate the task you're working on and get off the internet. Quit looking at pictures of kittens. Quit watching kittens play the piano. Stop watching cats with brain freeze. While those are entertaining, they're not productive. And if you are gonna watch them, watch them when you're not doing other tasks. Prevent yourself from getting sidelined. The next thing I'd say is turn off your phone. Turn it off. If your phone's like mine, if you've got an iPhone or you've got an Android phone that's connected to the internet, that's always connected, you're going to be always connected. You know what I mean? You're literally going to always be connected. You're tethered to the matrix, guys. You're hooked up to the internet. So those text messages, the emails, all of those things are going to hit you on a daily basis over and over and over again when you really don't need to be paying attention to them. So turn off your phone. Turn it off. When you're working on a task that's important and it has a direct impact on something you're trying to accomplish in your life, just turn it off. 
Why put yourself at risk like that? Why let the phone be a potential distraction? And unless it's for emergencies, and even then, what you can do is set it up so that the people that you want to contact you have a specific ringtone, and everybody else is basically told to bugger off. Anything that hits you through the phone is going to be a distraction unless it's directly related to what you're trying to accomplish or directly related to, say, an emergency. Like, so for example, if my wife's somewhere else and she's got the phone and I want to make sure that she can be in touch with me in case something goes wrong, well, I'll set it up so she will ring through but nobody else will unless I want them to. It's that simple. Set time aside. Set it aside. Turn off the phone when you're working on something important, especially if you're easily distracted. Have a private space so you can work on things. So as a writer, so somebody who spends time doing things like this, media creation, podcast, writing, articles, and so forth and so on, I have to have sort of a private space. I have to have my little cave, if you will, where nobody can bother me and they're told, stay away from me. Don't bug me for the next hour. I'm going to be writing. I'm going to be recording. I need to have that space allotted. I need to have that time allotted so I can actually get the things done that I want to get done. The next thing I would say is go over your list, right? We've already talked about the importance of having a list. That's in one of my other podcasts. And everybody who's good at success, anyone who studies personal performance knows that having a very comprehensive to-do list, a task list, whether it's for today or three months or six months or a year or five years, all of that plays a direct role in helping you develop a mindset that will lead you towards a given success. So that list has to be reviewed all the time. You need to review it in the morning when you get up, you need to review it throughout the day, and you need to review it just before you go to bed. It helps keep you on point. It, help keep you, it helps keep you focused. It's that important. So make sure you review your list all the time in between tasks because that will help keep you looking at the next task that needs to be accomplished. And if you can, do it with a pen and paper. I know, I know, that's sort of an old thing of the past, right? Why would I use a pen and paper? I don't use a pen and paper to write letters anymore. I type it up and I sign it and I send it off. I send emails half the time. I don't even write letters. Well, there's something really, I don't know, emotionally satisfying about crossing a task off of a written list. I'm telling you, once you start doing it, it becomes addictive. And if you're going to have an addiction in your life, that's one I can highly recommend that I don't feel bad about at all. If you don't actually have a task list, if you're not doing that on a regular basis, you're already so far behind the power curve, man. You are already in trouble. You need to have a task list. You have to. You need to prioritize it A, B, C, D, E, or something comparable that you're happy to use. Come up with whatever you want. Use whatever model you want, but just do it like Nike says. And in line with having a list is learning how to break tasks up into smaller bite-sized chunks. You know the old adage, you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? One of the easiest ways to accomplish a big goal is to break that big goal up into little tiny goals that are easier to accomplish and you can continue to move down a path towards success. You know, each time you get a little goal done, man, that feels good. Check it off. It's one more thing checked off and you can say, hey, I'm making progress. This is awesome. If you don't break it up into bite-sized chunks and you try to devour the whole thing at once, it can be overwhelming and it can really get you down if you don't quite make it. So break it up. Daily rituals are also a very important thing that will help you stay focused. Looking at your list in the morning, at night, and during the day is part of that daily ritual. If you have other goals where you can create rituals out of those goals, things that you do on a regular basis to become habit, you're far more likely to repeat those things and they become time savers instead of time wasters. We're pattern-based creatures. When we get taken away from our patterns, when we get taken out of our element, it tends to disrupt our ability to stay focused. So create those patterns and stick with them. For example, I used to work for a guy in Washington, D.C., and every Tuesday was a day that he dedicated to writing. Now, this is at work because he was the owner of the company, and he told all of us, 
Do not disturb him on Tuesdays unless it's a crisis, some kind of emergency, something that could really be justified. I remember I interrupted him once on a Tuesday and he was like, dude, seriously, I'm working on a particular project. And that was his day that was dedicated every Tuesday to those writing tasks. So find something like that that works for you. Now, sometimes that also means you need to focus on just one task at a time. Now, maybe one task in your task list, or it may be a bigger project. So it could be a task or a project or projects with multiple tasks. For example, I have a really good friend of mine who does property development, and he had this conversion where he took this old building that had been derelict, he bought it at a decent price, and he converted it into individual apartments or flats. Now, that took him a, about a year, the greater part of a year, and he deliberately focused the vast majority of his attention on that project because it produced the amount of income that he wanted then to put into other projects. So sometimes you have to take chunks of time out to invest in that particular thing and stay focused on that project or task before you leapfrog into something else. Now that'll vary from person to person, task to task, project to project. Ultimately, again, I don't know you, I don't know your particular circumstance. Doing lots of things all at once isn't always productive and sometimes it can hamper your success. And you have to be willing to admit that. You have to be willing to look at it and choose that one thing you're going to focus on, perhaps your bread and butter, that then affords you the opportunity to go and do the other things. And that leads to this. Don't have too many big goals all at once. Big mistake. Big goals are awesome. They're lofty. They're worthwhile. They give you something to live for and get excited about, jump out of bed and go for every day. But don't have too many running simultaneously. It can be a real detriment, trust me, to your sanity and to your success. Not to mention to the sanity and success of people around you who are just like, oh my God, you're a crazy person and it affects them too. So don't have too many big goals all working at the same time. Pick one or two or three, whatever your limit is, and then go for those. And keep the other ones on the back burner until you're ready, primed in position to, to actually go after them. And whatever those goals are or those projects are, be very realistic about the time expectations. Don't overestimate your ability and don't underestimate the time that it will take to accomplish a given task or a given project. The more honest and realistic you are about how long it's going to take, the better off you'll be when you start making headway. If you make it earlier, if you're able to succeed at it earlier and it, it's less time than you thought it was going to take, fantastic, bonus. But what you don't want to do is underestimate the time period and then go over your time budget and then that affects, or, you know, there's a knock-on effect to other things that you want to do. Because trust me, that's demoralizing. So be realistic about it. Think about it. Make your plans accordingly. Deliberately take time away from your task list. Deliberately take time away from your goals. Deliberately take time away from your projects. Learn to reward yourself with a little bit of free time that allows you to do something other than your goal pursuits. Something that allows you and your family and your loved ones, people you care about, people you like spending time with, to go enjoy each other's company, bring some joy into your life, and recharge your batteries. Now, you might have said, hey, listen, I, I listened to podcasts one through four, and then you vanished. And now, all of a sudden, there's this fifth one months later. Why is that? Well, like I said at the very beginning, I took time to recharge. I've got a lot on my plate. I've got a lot of tasks I want to accomplish. I've got a lot of goals. I'm taking my own advice. It's perfectly acceptable if I want to accomplish 1,000 podcasts in my lifetime to do three or five or 10 a hundred at a time, depending on the circumstance, over a given period of time that I'm perfectly content with, I can still accomplish my goal over time as opposed to cramming it all in at once 
and really just overwhelming myself when I have plenty of other things that I can be doing. So here I am taking the same advice, putting it into action that I'm giving you. Sometimes you got to step back away from a given goal, recharge, replenish, get your batteries in order, and then get back on task. Ultimately, my goal is to produce some really high quality content, but not at the risk of causing harm to the people around me, not at the risk of damaging other goals that I want to accomplish. They all have to work together synergistically and you have to be intelligent about that. So sometimes you just gotta take a break. And depending on what you're trying to accomplish, you may need to do it more often than I do. You may need to do daily breaks. You may need to take an hour away every single day to do yoga or meditate or pray or go eat lobster, I don't know. Whatever it is that brings you a little bit of a reprieve and allows you to refocus and be prepared for the next day. You're gonna to have to choose that, but be honest about it. Be honest about the time you need to take away and don't kill yourself, man. You've got one life to live. There's nothing wrong with wanting to accomplish goals. There's something very laudable about that, about creating and getting out into the workplace and doing good things. At the same time, not at the expense of your health or your sanity or your relationships. It may seem counterintuitive, but actually taking a break or recharging allows you to stay focused because you're not overwhelmed and your brain is able to think clearly about what you need to accomplish. Another way to stay focused is to work with somebody else. Find a partner, build a team. You can carry heavier loads when you work together or find somebody to help keep you motivated, help keep you focused. An accountability partner, that could be your spouse or other partner, it could be a friend or a relative, it could be a coworker or somebody from your church. Whatever the task or project is, you can stay focused by having somebody help you stay focused, by being there, by motivating you, again, by keeping you accountable, keeping you on point. Depending on the task, sometimes you can put on some really nice music, preferably music that doesn't have any words, and that can actually put you into a more productive mode. When I'm writing, it works wonders for me. Sort of that white noise type thing in the background that allows me to go into the zone and become very, very productive. I can't do it as well, though, if it's music that has an element of commentary to it, for example. Like, I can't listen to rap where they're talking about a story. I can't listen to a song that gets me caught up in the song if it's got lyrics that I'm interested in. That sort of destroys my productivity, actually, and sidetracks me. But I have found depending on the music I'm listening to, that if it's just instrumental, it's actually quite effective in helping me, like I said, get into the zone. It may work for you too. One of the things that's really helped me stay focused is learning how to put deadlines, realistic deadlines, on a given task or project. So for example, I wrote a very large book over 400 pages, and that was a one-year project. Each week I had deadlines that I had to meet, and my editors required me to meet them. You'll notice that those are two things from the list already. There was an accountability partner and a time frame. And I met those every single week, every single month, until at the end of the year, I actually accomplished my goal. It definitely works if you're willing to put in the discipline to meet those time deadlines. But be realistic about the deadlines. You know, the book that I wrote in one year was not the same as the book that I wrote in one week. The one week project was capable of being done in one week because of the content that I was using. Whereas the one in one year required an enormous amount of research and an enormous thought process. So if I tried to condense 400 pages into a week, I'd have lost my mind. You have to be very realistic about that. And as long as you are, you'll have a much better chance of staying focused and again, reaching your goal. If you don't exercise, start incorporating it into your life. Not only is it good for you, obviously, from a health perspective, but it's also very beneficial in helping you stay focused. Exercise is generally just a good thing. So, Add regular exercise into your routine. By doing the exercise, you'll sleep better at night and you'll be able to stay more focused during the day. I don't know about you, but I like coffee and I enjoy Red Bull. Those two, eh, 
They're, as one of my friends, Tim's, calls it, they're my go juice. His happens to be Mountain Dew. Lots of caffeine and lots of sugar. That works for some people. I can't do that. I can't drink lots of Mountain Dew. I remember when he was saying when he was doing his master's in mechanical engineering that he and his, his friends were also in the master's program would stay up all night and like would go through cases of Mountain Dew. I think I'd lose my mind. I'd be like an instant diabetic. But it worked for him. And he got, I mean, listen, this is a guy who's really, really smart. And he got really amazing grades. Makes me look like a complete amateur when you compare my GPA to his. So sometimes things like that work. Caffeine and sugar may do it for you. But you also have to be mindful that that can also crash you. So it depends on you and how you physiologically respond to those particular kinds of stimulants. I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. But you got to figure out what works for you. You may also want to try really looking at your diet. So obviously that goes in line with exercise. Good exercise, good diet will help you be more healthy and will help you stay more focused. But some food will make you lethargic and tired. Like I can't eat heavy carbs before I do writing because then I, I'm like, I want to go to bed. I can't eat turkey because turkey has a natural sedative in it and then go write for an hour. I'll be asleep at my keyboard drooling into the keyboard. You know what I'm saying? So you really do need to think about it. Your diet, your your exercise, and little things like caffeine may play a role in helping you stay focused. Likewise, if you have trouble, literally you have trouble, either psychologically or biologically, you may need to go see a doctor. Talk to a neurologist, talk to a psychologist, talk to a psychiatrist. If you're really, really stressed, that will have a direct impact, a very negative impact on your success. So if you need to, go seek help. Don't be afraid to do that. We are past the times where you have to be ashamed because maybe you have some emotional issues you need to deal with or you need some help with clarity or maybe you can't focus. If those are real issues, get them checked out. Work with professionals. Get your blood drawn. Have them check to find out where you're at and then make an informed, rational, intelligent decision on whether or not medication will benefit you. Don't just take it just because somebody says. There are plenty of doctors out there who don't do their research and they are pushed very much so by the pharmaceutical companies. So don't just take one opinion. Do your research, understand, get labs done, take the time to understand how your body's functioning. And if you need to then, by all means, seek medical assistance in the form of medications or maybe psychotherapy. Because life can interfere. It can. You might have things that are really stressing you out at work, stressing you out at school. Maybe your marriage is in trouble right now, and that will have a negative impact on whether or not you're able to stay focused and get the things done that you need to get done. But then let me come back to that and say, you remember we talked about priorities. If your marriage is in dire straits, it's probably not a good idea to then make something that shouldn't be an A priority an A priority when really your marriage should be the A priority. So don't neglect that. Don't automatically jump from one thing to another. Make sure you think about where those priorities lie in your life so that you can make the best decision for your future. And just to be clear, I'm not suggesting that drugs are a panacea. In fact, I'm very, very much against taking any substance you don't need to. Of course, that's me saying whether to take Red Bull because <laughs> Red Bull in, in many respects uh, has the same kind of physiological reaction to me as a, a, a narcotic would. I tend to get um, a little bit more excited. I already speak pretty fast as it is, but imagine me on four or five Red Bulls, which I wouldn't do, but you get the point. And don't take the leap into other things. Don't be stupid. Don't go and take a substance that you don't need to take. Don't do cocaine or methamphetamines or something like that because you're looking for a shortcut. I'm only talking about prescription medications that you take as a consequence of real solid scientific research, not a knee-jerk reaction. You know how many kids out there on medication that they shouldn't be just because they quote-unquote have attention deficit disorder? 
absolutely astounding. And that's not the way life should be. Don't look for a panacea. Sometimes it really just requires getting off your ass and doing the work that you need to do, exercising, eating right, and taking care of yourself rather than taking pharmaceutical. But there are cases for legitimate use. That's what I'm saying. So again, think about it. Be smart about it. Sometimes you also need to take a break. Now, I talked about that earlier about taking a break away from, but I'm talking a momentary break this time. I'm talking about changing your attention span for 10 or 15 minutes. There's this thing called attention residue where you find it difficult to readjust to a new task or a new project. So sometimes you need to just take a quick break. I'll give you a great example. When you're studying, there's scientific evidence to support that studying in short breaks as opposed to long breaks helps with retention. And I found in my life for that to be certainly true. I can study for 20 minutes, remember what's in the front, remember what's in the middle, remember what's in the end, relatively well. Now, if you do that for an hour, then you lose big chunks of information where your brain doesn't retain that information as well, right? So think about that. Sometimes a little break or doing things in chunks can be beneficial to your success. In line with rest is also getting a good night's sleep. It's so important. I mean, oh my goodness, imagine what I could do. I'm already productive as it is. Imagine what I could do if I got a good night's sleep every single night, but that doesn't always happen. In line with exercise and diet, that directly affects your health, right? Sleep, good sleep patterns, getting into solid REM sleep where your body recharges and you feel fresh in the next morning. And if you have trouble with that, figure it out, man. Go get some help. If you have sleep apnea, maybe you need a CPAP. Maybe that exercise thing's an issue in your diet. Maybe you need to lose some weight so that you're not um, dealing with sleep apnea or maybe snoring, whatever the case is, that keeps you up at night. Find a way to make sure you get really solid concrete sleep every single night so that the next morning you're recharged, excited, and capable of getting back to work. That will help you stay focused. But if you're tired, if you're exhausted, if you're not able to get the rest that you need, you will not be able to get focused and it will directly impact negatively everything that you're trying to accomplish in your life. Trust me on that. I've dealt with it myself for years. I mean, I don't get a good night's sleep every night. And I, like I said, I'm still productive. I long for the nights when I can get solid, uninterrupted sleep and just wake up in the morning all refreshed. It does happen, but not as often as I would like. And so if you're dealing with that too, don't neglect it. Ultimately, I want to have a better attention span and more focus than a goldfish. And unfortunately, nowadays, man, studies have indicated that we really are in trouble. The average person has about an eight-second attention span, man. And every decision you make on a daily basis taxes your brain. That's why we need rest. So the last bit of advice I'm going to give you is this. Schedule your day around the most productive times. In other words, if you are more productive and more creative, say, at 3 a.m. than you are at 1 because you have more energy, let's say that you're a night owl, or you're the kind of person that gets up and has a lot of energy after exercising at 4 in the morning, and now it's 6 and you're wide awake and ready and rearing, Schedule the most creative and most important things around that period of time. Do those tasks then. Because as the day goes on, as your workload increases, as you tax your brain, you're less productive and you'll have less of an ability to stay focused. All right, well, that's it for this episode. So until next time, keep your head up, stay focused, stay disciplined, and treat others the way you want to be treated. Because that, my friends, is the key to real success. Thanks for listening to Head Change with author, speaker, and hero award-winning humanitarian James L. Clark. Please visit jameslclark.com for more resources and follow James at twitter.com slash jameslclark.